I, th- I really think understanding that your little mitochondria, which we have a hundred quadrillion of, will they do have the ability to rebuild. They break down, they rebuild. We can rebuild them. We can actually use our sleep to make sure that we rebuild our mitochondria and that stops us from aging as quickly. Um, So eight hours of sleep plus, that's a huge tip. Um, If you want to live long, you must sleep. The other thing I would say is if you are stressed, so are your cells and your mitochondria. If you're happy, they're happy. So it's not just about doing the physicalness, it's also about having the happiness in your thoughts and your body and yourself and living it. Living longer won't make you happy, but being happy will make you live longer. I guess that's that's something that I, I love to say. That was Susie Neville, and this is Dug It, the podcast. No. Welcome to episode 48 of Dug It with the amazing Susie Neville. But before we get into it, today's fact of the day, and we cover this in the podcast, but it's some research from Matt Walker, the professor of neuroscience and physiology at the University of California. He's got some amazing research on sleep. It's just blowing me away. He did a recent podcast with Joe Rogan. Highly recommend checking that out. But some of the statistics are that half your brain won't sleep as well when in a foreign environment. Having only five to six hours sleep at night will age you 10 years in testosterone production. 20 hours of being awake is the same mentally and physically as being drunk in terms of our cognitive and physical function. Uh, we have a 70% drop in car accidents by starting school just an hour later and a 20% increase in SAT scores. That was a study done in America. And half of all people are sleep deprived, less, getting less than eight hours a night. And there's just some other phenomenal statistics around sleep, a 70% decline in your immune function to fight off cancer, um, huge physical cognitive loss of about 30%. And, um, and basically you've got more chance of being struck by lightning than having the gene which allows you to have less than seven hours sleep so sleep really is the foundation of life and we cover that off in today's episode with Susie Neville and she's just a wealth of knowledge she actually put me onto that sleep research podcast and she's put me onto so many amazing resources people things she is a, she was a New Zealand representative trampolinist and physiotherapist and then she's opened up her own clinic now in New Zealand and I found out about her through Paul Check. If you've heard of anything of Paul Check's it's I know the guy can be it can be polarizing but everything I've heard from him I've just found completely fascinating and he's seems to be 20 years ahead of anyone else in terms of understanding of the human body our relationship with the cosmos, the soil nutrition, to rehabilitation, um, to shamanic journeys. I'm just infinitely fascinated with his work. And when I heard about Paul Chick's Institute, I just wanted to find out more and meet some of his team. And I looked 
tried to find the best Czech practitioner or if there was one in New Zealand and I came across Susie and she was, in Paul Czech's own words, the greatest physio he's ever met and um, and I've heard the same thing from Ben Warren and many others and she really is extraordinary and she set up, we're so lucky to have her in New Zealand, she set up an amazing clinic called Sweet Seven and, and their holistic fitness uh, physio centre that empowers your health and goals by working on the natural and scientific fundamentals of well-being and physical health and the sweet seven stands for movement thought sleep nutrition hydration community and breathing and we cover off all of that today as well as many other goodies and uh, it's a bit of a slow start but we get stuck in so hang in there be patient good things come to those who wait (laughs) and but yeah she's just a wealth of knowledge and uh, just for example, I've been to oh maybe a dozen different physios, chiros, trying to sort out a knee issue, and they'd all treated the symptom, not the cause. And she just looked at me, saw a twist, a torsion in my pelvis that was putting pressure on my lower back, which was causing a bunion in my right toe, which was p- putting pressure on my knee and putting my shoulders out of alignment. It was just... Um, I feel like I've been on a spiritual journey through my own rehabilitation with her, but it's been just fantastic. And I'm finally running again, which I'm so excited about. And I had a friend who was about to get back surgery, and she was only, you know, she's 30 years old or younger and teaches and works at a yoga student. She was about to get back surgery. And I said, You've, you've only been to a couple of surgeons, a couple of physios. You have to see Susie before you do this because um, surgery can be just have lifelong consequences. So, uh, within seeing Susie within a month she was back hiking the Hollyford track after barely being able to walk so if you've got any issue you just want to kind of optimize your health or your life or you're just curious like I was as to what is possible then check Susie out and her team Mason and Emma at Sweet 7 and they've got these amazing Aldoa classes we get stuck into that as well which was a technique um, founded by Guy Voyer and and it's an you use your own connective. T- it's hard to describe. You use your own. It's like an advanced yogi stretching where you use your own connective tissue to pull space into the body, particularly the spine, to decompress the spine. It's the same technique that Tiger Woods, a friend of Susie, has been teaching Tiger Woods, and so many other amazing athletes. And it's it's going to change people's lives. It's uh, and you can experience it at Sweet Seven. They're one of the few in Australasia that teach it. It's really starting to take off, though. So. I highly recommend checking out one of their classes and um, yeah without oh and she also mentioned her favorite bread in this episode too it's the freedom loaf it's a it's a good one gluten-free of course and um, thank you so much for listening I just so look forward to sharing more of Susie's knowledge and 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 our our conversations because I often sit down in her studio for a, a massage or do a session with her in the gym and I just, I just get all this energy. I can't stop asking questions and sharing ideas and, and finding out what she's been up to. And she was the one that also put me on to the Human Longevity Project, which is mentioned in this episode. And I highly recommend you check that out as well. It's an amazing, just amazing research into how to live healthy and happy and, and, and a beautiful long life. So thank you again for listening. Enjoy the episode. Here we go.
and my smoothie and my peanut butter on toast of all things. Oh, what's what? What do you have in the smoothie? <laughs> okay, so there is spinach and banana and blueberries, kiwi fruit with the skin on, even if it's fairy. Super important for your microbiome. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then just today I just had yogurt because I didn't have any protein powder and water. I have it most days because I sip it all through work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But my peanut butter on, my, on toast is primarily um, more butter than anything else. So it's a bit of butter, really, with a bit of toast on the side and a bit of peanut butter on top. And that's when I have my coffee. I have that with my coffee. What toast do Oh, you I have? do that great freedom bread. It's, um, oh, the Midnight Baker loaf. No, the no. It's actually, no, I get it at, just at the supermarket. It's a um, black, ah, I've forgotten it. Sorry. I don't know. But a gluten-free grain. Oh, yeah, totally gluten-free. Yeah, uh, and, it, yeah. and it's a it's a staunch grain. I've got the wrapper in the rubbish, actually, if I should I'll get put it. it in the show notes because I'm always looking for the oh, It's a good one, actually, because it's, it's not too potato-based. It's not too starchy-based. It's, it's actually proper grains. And um, I don't know why I can't remember it right now. No worries. Mind, but it's my fave. What's the, what's the kind of Dave Asprey and Dr. Gundry and a few people talk about the microtoxins and or the toxins that mold toxins and, and peanuts in particular and I'm doing the candida diet do you, do you know much about that that because they're kind of legumes and people don't realize that and often not I a big deal I don't know enough about the peanut toxins I think I think what's important to us about toxins is um, how much you can get from coffee more than I, I would consider that more of a concern than peanut and were you thinking about the peanut butter were you? well yeah well Dave Asprey two of us and, and Dr. Stephen Gundry and I noticed it in candida and fungus and sugar diets often um, but they all kind of say peanuts and coffee are two of the ones that can get yeah and pistachio nuts funnily enough as well I, yeah, don't, yeah. I truly don't know enough about that to yeah. even be able to comment. I would have years ago, actually. Paul Chet used to talk about that a lot um, with the peanuts and the coffee. And I think that, um, again, though, as long as it was organic, because it's not a problem to have a little bit of fungus. It's not a problem to have a little bit of the, the bacteria or whatever is the mycotoxin. It's when you have it with other chemicals that are in there as well. So if you can go really clean with your peanuts or really clean with your coffee and it's not in any way sprayed, then you potentially have the ability to deal with that and your body will be able to hopefully get rid of those toxins or deal with them in a way that's... It's, it's kind of like it gives your body a little bit of hermetic stress and hermetic stress is a stress that's a short-term, short-lasting stress that allows your body to rebound from and build resiliency and... I don't think there's a problem with small amounts of these things. Mm. But any time there's an overgrowth, that's where you have the problems. And if people are not cleaning their equipment well, then we are, you know, we're, we're in trouble with relying on buying a coffee elsewhere and getting people get, using these machines that may be filled with mycotoxins because they're literally not cleaning their machines. I think that's a real problem out there. Mm. But... Um, yeah, I don't know about the peanuts, sorry. They can probably be a touch. 
Touch I hope you don't use that. Oh, well, that's, that's good information. But um, so if people don't know know anything about you, you've got a, a gym, Sweet 7, now in Auckland, but what would you describe? Because people often ask me about about you and the Czech background, and it's, it's often quite hard to describe. It's like beyond physio, it's holistic body, mind, um, I don't know, I was trying to think of a more succinct answer of what you do and what the studio is about. I've, I've worked for Czech since 2000 and um, I still can't get that elevator speech down about what I do. And I think it's one of the hardest things that we've all done because I'm way beyond being a physiotherapist and I'm also a Czech practitioner and a holistic lifestyle coach and a strength and conditioning coach but I'm a little bit of all of those and it comes together in a package. And I think the title of our business, Sweet Seven, is what in a, in a sort of elevator speech it comes out, there's seven principles of health. Um, it's like, you know, the three-legged stool of health. It's really like a seven-legged stool of health. Otherwise, there's perhaps the foundations on your house. There's seven foundations that make the pillars of the house. And those seven foundations are really what we work in. And so there's uh, nutrition, movement, hydration, sleep, breathing, community, and <laughs> respiration. I always forget the seventh. <laughs> it's not that I forget respiration, I always forget the seventh. <laughs> um, but those, we, we address all of those factors when we see someone. Or if they're addressing those factors themselves, then I... We don't need to necessarily address that, but we make sure that they are being addressed. So without really knowing it, the clients that come to me for an injury in their back or their pelvis will be getting assessed by me all the time about factors in their lifestyle, their sleep, their their ability to sleep, how they sleep, what they sleep on. Um, I'll be looking at their teeth, health. I'll be looking at their eyes. I'll be looking at how they listen to me, whether they turn their head and therefore that rotates their pelvis. You know, there's there's so many factors that I look at when I'm seeing someone that they have no idea about. So indirectly, I'm going to be addressing those seven foundations. And um, that is what, I guess, a Czech practitioner and myself as a holistic physiotherapist um, will be looking at. Mm. We then look at very strongly at exercise and movement because that factor in itself is extremely important for long-term health and longevity and mitochondrial health, which are your quadrillion little bacteria we have living with us and living in us that um, need and have to have movement to be able to replicate and regenerate themselves. So movement is crucial. So people will get a prescribed exercise program that is just about them. It's what my assessment shows that they need what they then have to correctively stretch or move and then they have to strengthen and um, just making sure they get enough movement and especially looking at their age so as they get older there'll be a lot more of that um, movement of um, aerobic movement and anaerobic movement so you need that slight level of intensity to help with the mitochondria but you also need that aerobic conditioning to help with mitochondria so I guess that is the very short <laughs> elevator speech 
Oh, it's great. I, yeah, when I first had your assessment and after listening to Paul Check's podcast and I just realised there was so much more to, and even talking to the likes of Ben, Ben Warren, that so many approaches are quite, um, they're, they're quite isolated in terms of their approach and a lot of the physios I'd been to were just looking at my injuries in one direction or one like I remember even seeing a car and he said you just need f- foot implant, um, shoe implants or shoe orthotics. orthotics and I thought surely it can't be that easy and that that just seems like a band-aid on the on the wound rather than actually getting to what caused the, the wound um, I, think, I think that that right there perhaps helps the elevator speech it's we have tools in the toolbox so there's not an isolated approach or a specialised approach. And if someone needs a specialised approach, we will refer those people to that. So our tools aren't just um, uh, the skills that we have just with us. They're the skills of the allied people that we work with. So the great thing about Czech and the great thing that I love about him is he is so open to uh, other the strengths of other practitioners. And using and and is learning as much as you can about all the tools in the toolbox. So yeah, you, your, mm. your specialised approach of just getting an, an orthotic to help your foot, well, there's going to be definitely be a benefit, but will that address all the issues? And when you came to us, I mean, you, you already had so much knowledge about your health and so many of your foundations were addressed that it became a slightly... Um, a, a focus was around movement and around... Uh, your joint mobility and your health of your of your tissue, because I knew that your diet was so clean and so good, and you were working on that with Ben, and that took a huge chunk of work out of what we needed to do. I also knew just uh, your thoughts, your mental, emotional ability, and health was great. And and if it wasn't, you were addressing it. If there were holes in that, then you were seeing people for that, and you were working on that. So you you were quite. A nice, you know, not not such a huge challenge for me. But imagine someone who's come off the street that has a long term back or spinal injury, and keeps asking me why why are you looking at my teeth if my back's hurting, or why are you asking about my gut health or my food if it's about my back pain, and like you know why are you asking me about what I think about the stresses in my life or. What are the biggest stresses in my life when actually it's just my back pain? So, mm. you know, the, the, the person off the street is really going to struggle and I have to be very careful to not overwhelm them. Yeah, I was just talking to Ben Warren about the business behind delivering a product like that and how if it's too beyond what people think. You have to ed- spend so much time educating them and rather than just giving them a 20% improvement on what they know and stuff, like this is like technical technology or knowledge gap that's too big for some people to get over um, yes. and, and so did but even I noticed there was one thing I was missing which was um, sleep because I'd come see you on a Wednesday and that would be my early morning class where I'd be up at 4.30 or 4.45 and I'd often get to bed a bit late and I wouldn't and after seeing this longevity pro or that sleep talk with Joe Rogan and I forget the doctor's name. It was Matt, Matt Walker. He's Matt a Walker. sleep diplomat. Yeah. And I realised I had n- not much energy and no 
my strength to train was not there. I just felt like getting a massage or like all kind of sitting out the session, even though I kind of really wanted to do it. And then that made so much sense. That was that five hours sleep, that less than seven hours sleep that was costing me a huge yeah. cognitive and physical um, loss of performance and motivation and all of that. Um, yeah, and you're totally functioning on um, mitochondria from the day before that has already been producing energy from its food and air it's breathing and, and it hasn't had enough time to actually regenerate. So a lot of those mitochondria have died off from that lack of sleep and you haven't actually, you know, you having to produce new ones to try to actually function for that day. So when you have five hours of sleep, and this is what um, the Josh... Joe Rogan talked spoke about if you have five hours of sleep as opposed to eight, your injury risk will go up by sixty percent. Now they specifically said that that was the um, stabilizer system. So the stabilizer system are the muscles that cross the joints. So it's the muscles that hold your spine in neutral and stop your discs from getting injured. They're the muscles that stabilize your your deep hip positioning and your shoulder so those stabilized muscles are the ones that are shut down because they're very connected to the central nervous system and if your nervous system hasn't had its recovery overnight and you haven't had enough sleep to literally wash out the byproducts and metabolites out of your brain which happens during the night and you need at least eight hours for that to happen then your nervous system is down regulated then your stabilizer system and all your joints is downregulated, so your risk of injury is seriously, it's really high, and um, like they say, sixty percent increased chance. So, wow. Yeah, and it's not it's not really about the hours. Um, it's it's not it's quite important when you get the hours. So you know the two midnight. Like I feel really proud of myself because I'm in bed at ten. But that's only two hours before midnight. It's like I've only had two hours before it should be the middle of my night. So what is midnight for everyone when they're going to bed at midnight? They're not midnight. That's the start of their night. So it's the hours either side of midnight that need to make up the eight, the eight hours. And that's really hard because, you know, our culture weirdly says that we, you know, if we want it, want it hard enough, like Dave Asprey says, if you want it hard enough, You'll just stay awake and you'll push through and you'll get two or three hours sleep a night and that's what our culture's driven us to do and it's really, really harmful and I see it really, really strongly in my gym, especially we do a lot of training on the Swiss ball and if someone's nervous system has not recovered from the night of lack of sleep or, um, you know, two nights of lack of sleep, they can't, they can't balance on the Swiss ball. They're all over the place and they get frustrated and um, it's their nervous system that's not letting them be there on it. That's fascinating. I saw even LeBron James and Roger Federer, I think they averaged 12 hours sleep or they, like a lot of these top athletes, even Pete Sampras used to have a temperature-controlled sleep room wherever he went and um, and I know Matt Walker was saying it's a 30% increase in performance yes. on... Absolutely. Just from getting that full night's sleep, and um, if you comp- compare that to maybe people trying to get one percent or fraction of a percent through a, a particular swimsuit or some kind of yeah, yeah. shoe or product or food, it, it just doesn't even compare. 
Yeah, when you when you're an athlete and you're functioning at ninety eight percent of your genetic potential, and you've got to find that next tiny percent that makes the win. Um, simple things like temperature control in your room is super important. I mean, if you if your core temperature has not dropped, then you will not sleep well. You need to have a cool room. Um, not only does it have to be completely dark, but it has to be cool enough. And often what happens in the morning is the temperature will start rising before the light will come up. And often you wake up not because the light is coming, but because the temperature's increased. So you need to be really mindful of how you're setting your heating and um, making sure that you don't have a system that turns on so early that it ends up waking you up and breaks your sleep habit right there. So, um, yeah, you, you wake up for two factors. One is the um, light coming up and the second is the temperature. Well, I don't think people consider the temperature at no. all. I love the cold, but so many people, maybe my girlfriend wants the heat on or the heat pump on, and I'm, this doesn't naturally feel right. But uh, Yeah, yeah, and it isn't right. And, and interestingly, um, the uh, Matt, the uh, sleep diplomat, he says you've got to keep your feet and your hands warm because that'll help pull the temperature out of the core. So it's when the core temperature drops that you will sleep better. So a great thing to do is to... So sometimes I, um, if I'm trying to get to sleep a bit faster, I'll get a hot water bottle and I'll put it on my feet and I'll just make sure that they're really warm and the rest of me is cooler. So I'm still comfortable because, yeah, I'm a bit of a coldie. I want to I be snug and warm. <laughs> but it will stop me from going to sleep. And if... We go back to checking how you got started and all that. You you mentioned before that you were you studied physio and then you're with the New Zealand Ballet Company, and you and you ended up in New York. Yes, I didn't know that kind of story, but that was that was really interesting. And you just kind of on a whim decided to leave the ballet troupe in New York and and stay there and work there for a few years, and then but you mentioned you had a bit of a um, like physio wasn't fulfilling all of the the requirements for your clients or for what you the knowledge you were seeking and, and kind of serendipitously you found check yes and how did that all come about I had been a physio for about 12 years and um, I'd done a lot of postgraduate study and done um, postgraduate uh, joint manual therapy, I studied acupuncture. But interestingly, in New Zealand, back then, this was like this sort of end of the 80s and... Not end of the 80s, sorry, end of the 90s. Um, there wasn't a lot of exercise in physiotherapy. And I keep seeing these clients come back to our clinic, same time of the year, similar injuries. And I just kept seeing this pattern where people just weren't really getting better from the treatment we'd give them. It would only be a short-term response. So I knew something was missing and I was a bit despondent about it all. And um, just randomly, after living for five years in New York City and not hearing anything about Czech, which amazed me, um, and this, you know, I had done that travel with the New Zealand Ballet and it was very all, much, all very much about therapy and treating the injured part. So it was that whole treat the person, not coach the person. So I was very much in that mindset. And I um, was at a physiotherapy conference and I actually was really uninspired. So, so I 
went back to this uh, the German Auckland city that I was, I'd started working out of, and Paul was there. Paul Jet was there, and I had seen I'd watched some of his videos, his uh, strengthening your your core and your butt videos, and some of the core conditioning videos that he'd done. And I um, ran into him, and he just we started talking and he recognised that I was a physiotherapist and he was desperate to have more medical people in his system. He has this um, uh, institute in the States that trains up people for um, exercising and holistic health that's very safe and it's, at that time also exercise was really hurting a lot of people so people were stepping back for it, especially in the States. Um, that, that it was just not really an, a time that was... Um, recognised as a strong time for physiotherapy and exercise therapy together. And so Paul was at this gym at Just Workout and he um, came up to me and started talking and just said that he had this five-day course and he thought that I should attend it. And I was a little bit, I think a little bit arrogant at the time of thinking that I kind of knew everything. And I said to him, which was pretty rude, um, you know, I don't think I'll get anything out of it. And he was like, okay, well, here's the deal. If you come to San Diego and you do my course, actually it was an eight-day course at the time, so it was quite an investment for me. Um, it, when the US dollar was, you know, it was 48 cents to the dollar, so um, it was going to be quite expensive and I had to take a good 10 days off work. So I, he said, if you go and you do this course and you don't like it and you think you got nothing out of it, I'll give you money back. And I was like, deal. And so I flew to San Diego about a month later and as soon as the course finished, I went straight into his office and I was like, what do I have to do? I want to work for you. Um, and he told me I had to do the next two levels of certification. So I, I literally packed up my life and moved to San Diego and lived in someone's garage for a month while I did <laughs> the next two certifications. And just set myself up after then and started working for him in 2000. And for me, it was the, the it, he was bridging the gap of when we treat people, we get them better, then we send them back to work and to their job and they hurt themselves because they're not strong and they're not ready for the demands of life. I mean, whether you're a, you know, someone who's not a high level athlete, we're all athletes, no matter what level we're at, we're an athlete, we have to be active and, and for health we have to be active. So um, it was really important that he helped bridge that gap. We get, we treat people, I had the treatment skill and he taught me about exercise. I had to spend six months training with one of his top level guys, Chris Maund, who really was, he'd just stand there with his stick over me and <laughs> tell me... <laughs> get up and do it again when I didn't want to. But that's how I learnt. I, I learnt the exercise by doing it and then I started teaching Paul and we started teaching how to actually effectively design exercise programs that were very specific to the person's findings. And that was like, there was no one else doing that. He was totally ahead of his time. And um, the whole process of if you're not assessing, you're guessing, still really stands true. And I am now, in 2018, I still don't compromise my check assessment that I learned from that very first course. I still do it. I add other things to it that we've learned over the years. As Paul evolved, so did we, and so did the Institute. So when I first met him, we were really just working on the physical side, musculoskeletal, but as he evolved and I saw his 
he had to go through some some health issues that allowed him to find out about him being adrenally exhausted and that he had issues around having lifted way too many weights and hadn't done enough balanced exercise. And so he was discovering a lot about himself and his health and the fact that he would have a steak and a protein shake right sort of around his workouts had to be again changed. And um, I got to see this person change and grow and then he started taking this to his institute and making the institute grow so then we evolved into having the holistic lifestyle coaching and um, now he's very much moved and he moved slowly with this because people were quite slow to take it up. Paul has lived this way himself for years but he hasn't really been able to promote his stuff as quickly as he wants because people take time to take it on and they think for a while there when Paul introduced his um, PPS course, his uh, spiritual and mental and emotional course, people really thought he'd lost his mind. And he hadn't. He was just slightly ahead of them. <laughs> and it was just a little bit too much for them at times. And even for me, having to learn, and one of the things I loved learning at the Institute was the spiritual anatomy, um, how the, the, the emotions, your thoughts and your um, emotions and mental and emotional health will present in the physical body. I love that stuff. And it's, it's not science-based, but I see it. I see it happening in my clinic, and, and that stuff is great. And so, you know, I'm forever thankful to him for that, after that random meeting. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that brings to mind that totem pole image he has of all the, um, like, spiritual to the physical layers and everything in between. Yes. Um which you can check that out online. I'll include it in the show notes, but it's kind of that holistic approach of body, mind, spirit to everything we do. But it's interesting that, uh, I know Ben Warren said he thought he was 20 years ahead when he studied with them in almost all facets. And now that he's been on the a few different podcasts and there's this, uh, I, I guess... Uh, that ability to share this knowledge and that people are hungry for it and that there's more of a, a rising of consciousness in different areas that um, a lot of amazing people have just jumped on his teachings as as just really profound. It's almost like people are seeking it and wanting it and they've been wanting these answers and wanting a guide or a guru or a teacher to help show them the way. And um yeah, the first when I first listened to I think one of his podcasts, I just searched "cheap practitioner in New Zealand," and <laughs> that's that's yeah. how I found you. But because I, I just knew if someone had studied that, they were going to be on the same page and wave and know so much more than I could even comprehend. Um, what was, was there any one big teaching you took out of your time with him? Because you were his top. Like he's got a quote on his <laughs> one of his blogs that you're his greatest physio of all time and. Um, but you were working as one of his top teachers for all the Czech level courses and facilitating yeah. those for quite a few years. Yeah, having um, the physiotherapy background allowed me to be able to teach the first four years of his program, and there was only really two two others who can do that. Uh, the other person is Matt Walden in the UK, and um, so we're, we're teaching up to his level three, and he has a level four on top of that. Um, but that is the, there are sides to the Czech program. There's a practitioner side that involves the musculoskeletal training. There's the nutrition and holistic lifestyle side that um, 
and then there's the mental emotional PPS program. So Matt and I go to the highest level that we can in the practitioner side. Um, so although he is very really amazingly generous with his words of what he says, um, there is another great physiotherapist who's working with the Chickens was working with the Czech Institute, uh, Dan Hellman, and um, you know I think that we all have amazing high-level skills and um, I don't think that I should necessarily be singled out as the best physio. <laughs> I do love that he said that. I, I think the greatest thing that I got to see with Czech um, was the growth, the growth of um, his system because, you know, I got to see... Um, when he put out his organics manual, I remember when he was writing it and how excited he was about it. And this thing was huge and it was just like, oh my God, everyone's just going to drown in this knowledge. But that was miles ahead of anyone thinking about organics. And at the time, Whole Foods was open in the States, but we'd call it Whole Paycheck because we, we literally couldn't afford to buy stuff there. But they were the first, that, that was the very first early Whole Foods. There was only one down in La Jolla in our area. There's, there's nothing like there is now. But you know, he was with those people and he was in that early 2000s really ahead when he designed this organics manual and um, really talked about toxins in your house and toxins in your food and um, just the clean the clean body, the, the, the stuff that everyone's grabbing hold of now. Um, you know, it was just, it was just, he was dying to get it out. But I, I think that things went quite slowly initially because it was a bit, a bit ahead of everyone's time, and they had to get around their heads around it. And when I came back to New Zealand in 2008, I had to be really careful about how much I spoke about it because people thought I was just some hippie that had been living in California. And, you know, unless somebody asked me, I really didn't speak it. And actually coming back at that time in well, between 2000 and 2008, whenever I came back to New Zealand for a vacation with my family, I could never find gluten-free food. Um, the only thing often if I went on the, a road trip was if I was lucky if I could find lamb shanks at a cafe and I could eat that because I couldn't eat anything else and um, you know it's, we, we, we led the way with Paul and I, I love that we have that you know and, and I see people talking now and bringing out new information and I'm sitting there going yep Paul was already talking about that you know 10 years ago mm. or 15 years ago How was it with because you worked with a lot of amazing athletes as well. Like you mentioned you had Lead Hamilton staying with you and Gabrielle Reese and yeah. um, I know Paul had a lot of top X game athletes and that kind of thing in the clinic as well. And how was it um, were they all pretty open minded people to to those teachings? Uh, actually that was quite a challenge, but they were all people that were a little bit um, older at the time when we were working with them. So they knew that the young ones were coming up behind them and they needed to do whatever they could to extend their career. So if you think about Danny Way and this professional skateboarder and um, I guess Rob Deirdick and how he has moved ahead and um, I, I guess the, some of these names are not so common now because they, they haven't been competing for years but Lear definitely. These guys were all about extending their bodies and allowing their bodies to get over the hits, you know, survive the hits and the impact from the crashes and to be able to, for Lear to be able to actually 
you know, go for eight hours a day on his stand-up paddleboard. Um, and he literally would do that. Um, I think that they needed to embrace that and they recognised it, even though they had sponsors that were not good. So quite often their sponsors products were actually more toxic for them so I would be like just tip that out and replace it with water but look like you're drinking out of the can if you have to but don't drink it you know it's like um we had to we had to really try to shift the mentality and 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 it used to be really hard for them and the check training the exercise is very technique driven and these guys especially the skateboarders and the surfers and the motocross guys all they wanted to do was get on their uh, toys and just have fun and they competed really well and they became world champions and suddenly they had to be able to get in a gym and have a really disciplined exercise approach and I remember some of the guys so I remember once Rob Derrick just like walking out of the gym and kind of can't handle this and leaving and came back in later he's like okay I'm good now <laughs> it's like you know that those guys if you give them something that they want to do they'll do it all day and um, that we had to be really careful to try to make sure that we made it as fun as possible when it when it's super technique driven, um, and that's one of the real benefits of check training and check instruction is that it's safe, and people who are good check practitioners are watching all the time. They're always watching that their client's form is extremely good. The whole perfect practice makes perfect. It's really important. Yeah, that reminds me of that Tom Brady did an amazing series. Have you seen that series? Um, no, he I just haven't. won the Super Bowl, and he but he he's on this just super clean diet, and he has this physio massage guy who's working his body like every day, and he's his sleep, everything's immaculate, and he's just extending his career and getting fitter and faster every. Yeah, the way he works with not a lot of weights but more, a lot of band resistant band training and body work uh, body weight work um, but phenomenal series it was a Facebook series I'll, I'll link to in the show notes but it got me thinking of you mentioned um, or you're doing a lot of work with Aldoa yes. this kind of advanced yogi stretching myofascial stretching technique um, and and that I saw when you mentioned Tiger Woods was doing it and there were quite a few, I saw quite a few other golfers were doing it and other athletes as well, particularly older ones. Um, and can you kind of summarize Aldoa and the benefits of its teaching? Because I know Tiger's, you know, he's like the wealthiest sportsman ever, he's had knee and back issues and he he seems to be having a big comeback and I was trying to think, you know, what's he doing differently? And you mentioned that he might be training with, um, in this technique now and, and I saw it then a lot of other people were and I found it really beneficial myself um, and you said it was one of the best things you'd seen in 20 years or hmm. it's a um, it's an osteopathic technique from a French osteopath called Guy Voyer and Guy or we would say a New Zealand guy but Guy um, was an athlete high level Olympian himself in martial arts um, and had suffered a very extensive car accident injury, which has left him with quite a um, curved spine. And um, that's a very simple story of history of his. There's a lot more to it. But Guy's developed this technique where he's he's learned about the deep fascia. So the fascia is the envelope that covers your muscle. 
and it's fascia that runs into your ligaments, and it's all the stuff that um, is alive, but we think is the muscles, the contracting smart bit of stuff in our body, but really the fascia is very electric and it's very alive and it's very intelligent and it's very pliable. Now, the fascia um, is able to put tension through the different parts of the body to create space between your vertebrae. And this is, uh, ALDOA is a French acronym, um, E-L-D-O-A. And um, it's really, if I was to put it simply, it's spinal decompression. But it's done in certain positions where every vertebrae level has its own position to create tension through the lower limbs and the upper limbs to open the space at each vertebrae. So the vertebrae number L45 has its own decompression, as does the vertebrae level number T, T67, as does C45. We go right through the spine. Every vertebrae level has its own. We also have decompressions for the sacroiliac joint, depending on where the dysfunction is in the joint. That's much more intricate, and you have quite a big assessment around that. There's aldoas for the shoulder. So if you've got shoulder problems, you, you, about, you try to change the, t the fascial tension around the shoulder. A lot of impingement is around the incorrect tension of the fascias. But um, we, I, I, when I learned about Aldoa, it was kind of the, f since meeting Czech and taking the Czech as far as they could in the physical side, this was the next really big physical thing that I found that I was like, I've got to put this in my toolbox. And Aldoa and myofascial stretching that I use has come specifically from Givoye. And yes, um, a lot of high-level athletes are using it in America. Um, it's, it's famous in Canada. It's famous in France. There's a huge group of people in um, London and UK using it. Um, it's big in um, New Zealand. It's big in Australia now. So it, it, the, the word is just spreading around Aldoa, and I love that we are one of the very few, there's only two other places in New Zealand that are doing it, and we're one of them, which is great. We, we literally, I was very lucky when I was in the first course I went to in Dallas in 2014, I met a wonderful girl there, Stephanie McCusker, and she was moving to New Zealand, and she was asking me about sponsorship. She had taken the master class for our course in Dallas where there were 80 people and she commanded this room like I'd never seen before. This girl was like a proper athlete herself and she just, there's, there were some big guys in there and she just, <laughs> just sort of took over and was like in charge and I was so inspired by her and then she came to me and said she would like to move to New Zealand and I'm like, I'll sponsor you. So we, uh, we got her over here and we are so lucky to have her. She's now living in Tauranga um, and um, it's taking a little time out at the moment. She's a beautiful little baby girl, but hopefully she'll be back in action soon. And um, she really brought this to New Zealand and we were able to help facilitate that by sponsoring her. Oh, fantastic. Is that this other lady in the Sweet Seven photo with... Yeah, yeah, oh, she's long hair, super long hair. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, because it's yourself, Mason, Emma, and her. Is that yes, the so, team? Yeah. So we were that we were the original four with Sweet yeah. Seven, but then she moved to Tauranga, and um, so you know, I would love. I always wanted for her to set up a little Sweet Seven in Tauranga. <laughs> She's also trained in Czech. It's oh, a wow. huge overlap. Yeah. Uh, it was the Czech practitioners that told me about. Aldoa and Givoye. It was the two that I'd originally started working with way back in 2000, Janet Alexander and Chris Maund. 
they came home one summer and they're like, you've got to do this technique, you've just got to do it. And Chris spent like <laughs> the first half an hour visiting me after not seeing them for a year uh, in the hallway with them doing Aldoas because he was so excited by it. Um, and Dan Hellman, who was the other physiotherapist at the Czech Institute, is now teaching for Guy Voyer. He's He's taken it to, to the nth degree and he's amazing with it too. So there's, there's this great overlap where the two theories, the two systems, the Czech and the Guy Voyer system, work on the, what we call the complexity therapy where you're not just treating the part that hurts. You're treating the body as a whole, as a complex system of systems. It's like the cybernetic system. And, and both, uh, both therapies do that. Cheek is a lot, I think, a lot stronger in holistic lifestyle coaching. Um, so it's not, I'm not trying to rate one over the other, but um, I think both really complement each other, and I love that I have that to use. My clients are very lucky. It means I can coach them. I don't have to be the person that... I'm not going to say, I'm, you know, I'm going to treat you, which means, you know, I'll take you out for dinner, I'll treat you. You don't really learn anything from it. I'm all about taking these approaches and teaching them to people so we can coach them so they learn what to do for themselves. No longer relying on the therapist. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. And was that a big motivation to start your own business, to have freedom? Or what was the main motivation to come back to New Zealand and set up Sweet 7? Actually, was it just the next stage? Yeah, it was. It was. It was after having just worked in my own <laughs> self-talking phone. Oh, that's. <laughs> I know it just turns on randomly. <laughs> um, so the motivation to come back to New Zealand was first, first and primary was that I wanted to have a family here, um, and didn't feel like doing that in the states again for health reasons, you know, um, but. Um, to set up Sweet Seven, I, I just needed to get that business, being a business owner, out of my system. But what I really believe in, one of the seven foundations, is community and connectivity. And I really feel like for our future, you know, a tribe is really important to us. It doesn't have to be that our tribe is our family. Our tribe can be our group of friends. And I feel like what I want to try to create with Sweet Seven is a tribe and a, and a group of, you know, Sweet Sevens all around where we, you know, we are, it, within our business, we try to make sure that everybody knows everybody's injury. Not, not like heavily personal details, but we understand what they need and we are trying to make sure that that when you walk in the door at Suite 7, you're going to leave having had an experience that's really nice and you feel supported and you feel a sense of connectivity because I think health right there is in community and tribe and um, I really want to do some future stuff with younger kids and elderly people coming together and working in a space together where they feed off each other, the elderly are giving wisdom to the young ones, the young ones who may not have a very good tribe themselves can come via me, learn about what we do, pass on that knowledge, do that work. Um, so in a, in a sense, I want to keep the knowledge growing through the young ones, but also have the older people teaching the young ones and supporting them and, and giving them the wisdoms from the past. And I think that the wisdoms from the past are really what allow the people to be as old as they are you know, they've done the right thing to get as far as they've got in their life so that they have a lot to pass on. That, that's fantastic and maybe a nice segue into that longevity, human longevity project, which you're kind enough to send me the link on. And 
the, the I think the purpose and community segment of that was really so strong about keeping the elder that even just our idea of what elders are in the West it's it's a burden on society over there it's a source of wisdom and knowledge and connection to family and how sprightly people are in their older age and Sardinia and these long-lived societies and the Okinawans. Um, but on the, uh, are there any really key takeaways out of the longevity series you've seen which which perhaps you hadn't thought about before or or that were new? Um, or even just like for me, the sleep, listening to Matt Walker was just a big reminder of the benefits of sleep, but the Human Longevity Project, there's so much so much research in it it's um yeah mind-blowing it was absolutely inspirational for me to listen to that i loved that series it was meant to be i think an hour and a half documentary which turned into nine a nine-part series some of them were two hours long and um i am i just feel we were so lucky to have had that the the biggest thing i got from that and the most interesting thing was every section was super amazingly filled with information and every section was, well, you have to do this if you want health. And then the next session, you have to do this if you want health. And I'm like, well, look, you just literally cannot just do any one thing. And you can see every one of these, the sleep, the purpose, the community, the food, the microbiome, the mitochondria, the, you know, your cell health, aging and Alzheimer's and dementia. It was, you know, the neurodegenerative diseases, diabetes, everything that we can try to resolve or avoid was all really important. There was never one thing that was more important than the other. And I just sat there and went, that's what we're doing at Sweet 7 and that's what I love, that um, we're not putting a bias on any one thing, but what we put the bias on is the thing that the person needs the most and that they can cope with. So I think um, movement... Really, there were some very serious stats that came out of that Human Longevity Project um, about movement being the number one factor for longevity and health. And it was really that the type of movement that was the number one was walking. It was better than anything else, really, any other exercise. And we just knowing that our body is a walking machine. And as we start walking, we literally switch on... You know, thousands of gene sequences to start firing. And so um, I loved to, combat, to combine that with the information and sleep about the different light that is in the morning compared to the night, where you have the blue light in the morning, which stimulates your cortisol to be, to be released so that you can actually have some energy in your system to get up. And as soon as your eyes, your retina gets exposed to that blue light, it's actually allowing you to try to get up and out of bed and go and just do your walk right then so you get more exposed to that blue light. It also um, stimulates your vitamin D to help production, your production of your vitamin D to increase. And whereas um, in the end of the day, there's more of a red in the, in the night sky and your, your retina, your brain knows that. And it knows that that's when it's time for it to start releasing melatonin, which has a huge anti-cancer factor to it. It's not just about sleep melatonin, it's about health and all the immune response you get from that. But if you haven't done 
that walk in the morning or that little bit of exercise in the morning. You doesn't have to go out and be a hardcore workout. But if you haven't done that, you haven't created the, the sulfates to then be able to utilise your melatonin at night. So you really have to get exposure to the blue light and the red light so that you actually can have the benefits of both effects on your system. And I think that what we try to do is we try to go to bed late and shove our melatonin down our throat. But if we haven't been up and got the blue light in the morning, we don't have the sulfate to use the melatonin. Um, and I love the fact that you know our, our brain knows, based on the colour of the day, what physiological systems it does. And so we can base exercise around that. And we can base movement around that. I, um, yeah, that, that was some really great stuff. I mean, that's a minuscule amount of information compared to what we got from that project. Mm. Uh, but it relates a lot to what we do. And I'm just all about getting up and opening the curtains. If you can't get out, if you've got kids and you can't get out in the morning, just open the curtains and stare at the light <laughs> and get you know, a good 10 minutes of that light if you can. People say they don't have 10 minutes. I don't know. I think you can just make 10 minutes happen. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> I think Tony Robbins said if you don't have 10 minutes to have a morning routine, then you don't have a life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just mindful of your time because we're uh, edging. How, how long? I'll probably need to get Bobby Dennis. Yeah. Um, so maybe just a cup. I just wanted to say, I forgot to say thoughts in that first introduction. I think we need to redo that. Oh, that's the fine. We can, we yeah, can we can we can throw thoughts on the seven foundations. Well, um, people, well, I can just include it in now. But there may be a couple of quick questions to finish. Yep. Um, uh, have, have you got a favourite food, then or meal? My favourite. Oh yes, I do. Absolutely. Um, oh my god, do I? <laughs> I just thought about other things while you're asking me that. Um, I'm someone that feels like I haven't had a meal unless I've had some sweet potato. So my favourite meal would be um, a bunus from <laughs> a beef bunus, which is a beef patty or a steak with wrapped in lettuce, with a bunch of um, broccoli that's been cooked most likely roasted. I try not to kill it by overcooking it. Um, a lot of broccoli, that is. I think cruciferous, cruciferous veg, vegetables at my age is uh, really important for my hormones. Um, and so the meat, the sweet potato and the broccoli would be an absolute perfect meal. And I have to have a load of butter on my steak or my beef patty. And everything will be cooked in butter. <laughs> I live on butter. <laughs> Butter is my god. <laughs> oh, and Dave, we'll have to send that out to Dave Asprey and get you, get you sponsored. Some <laughs> grass, or Lewis Road grass-fed butter. Oh, um, totally. And what, what, what is your current purpose in life? If, uh, my current purpose really is to live not to just a number. I really want to live. I want to live to an old age. And I want to be able to share my knowledge to as many people as I can. I want people to be able to understand how it is that they can improve their life, to live longer and sharing that. So I guess learning and sharing is my purpose right now, but I want to do it now into a really old age and I want to still be able to use my hands 
and work on people in my late 70s. And at the moment, if I, you know, cheat on my lifestyle and I cheat on my food and I have a night out where I may drink some alcohol, I feel it in my hands for the next three days. And I know it so strongly that I've got to keep the inflammatory foods out of my diet, then I can do that. I can live to that purpose, which is to still be taking care of people um, or coaching them more like it when I am super old. I'd like like to be up north maybe doing that or Hokianga or something like that. Have you got an age and a number? (laughs) My kid told me he'd give me 50 cents if I lived to be 100. Um, So that's 50 years away. Um, (laughs) I think... um, I think 120 would be quite good, a good number, actually. Cool. And uh, on that longevity, are there any, say, top three tips or even just a top tip for yeah. extending longevity that you've thought about for yourself? Oh, it's the 10 minutes of getting out in the morning. It's really that simple, I think. Mm. Um, because I have everything else I feel with my food. Um, I, I, I do think that my tribe... I think tribal association and sort of support is something I'd like to improve. Cool. And um, I love this one, the best or most worthwhile investment. It could be time, money. It could have been the, the <laughs> check course or a piece of food or equipment. <laughs> absolutely, um, absolutely doing that, spending that $10,000 or borrowing that $10,000 that I had to borrow from the bank to do the check level one course. Because it all went from there, really, and I wouldn't have listened to that Human Longevity Project if I hadn't met Paul Cech. Mm, fantastic. Um, in the last five years, is there a new belief or habit you've picked up that's really... Yes, uh, I, I, I think I was a little bit relying on my potentially good constitution and genetics to push me through. So my belief around um, being able to influence my health properly has really um, has really changed my lifestyle. So I'm much. I used to be a little bit, a little bit crazy and do a bit of partying and not not do enough exercise. And um, so, is that a belief? Uh, it's probably not a belief. What's a belief that might have? I think that's good. I think yeah. that yeah. <laughs> and um, have you got a favourite? book and if so why or one that you would gift most to people um, it's funny because I spend so many days reading books around work I love to if you ask me about a favourite book it's a fictional book <laughs> it's a fictional love story oh well, <laughs> great what, what I'm what's... just trying to hang on I can't find it I can't find it in my head I can put in the, the show notes. But I know a lot of really hardworking people have fictional books to turn off their mind because they're... Mm, it was still... It was a book around um, a love story in Italian, around Italian food. Yeah. So it still involved food. Oh, neat. <laughs> <laughs> and Italy. Um, have you got a definition of success? Oh, gosh. Um, success... I... I I do. I need to look. I just need to read it. Oh, yeah. I've got it written down. I need to turn the lights on. (laughs) 
Something like health, health, health. Oh, I, do, I do have a bit of balance, <laughs> but I'm trying not to um, <laughs> try not to do that much anymore because it hurts my hands a lot. And, oh, I wrote down. Oh, I know where it is. Do you take all these notes today? No. No. These forever. I love these notes. Right. Oh, there you go. Success is not really it's about living. No. <laughs> I don't think I have a definition of success. I guess hmm. sorry but I don't think I have a good definition we can, we can of leave that one okay what is there a f I just wanted to sort of say that living longer won't make you happy but being happy will make you live longer I guess that's that's something that I I love to say yeah um, oh maybe, that's, that's a great one yeah yeah could you say that? I'll get that one as a little clip. And so what was that sentiment? She said, uh, living longer won't make you happy, but being happy will allow you to live longer. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. I think that's the message of the day. That's, <laughs> um, and last couple, I love the, uh, the Dan Sullivan approach of, as an entrepreneur coach, he said you're either winning or learning and the way you look at failure as a learning opportunity. Is there a great failure or apparent failure which has, in retrospect, been a great learning tool or pivotal point in your career and life? Yeah, it was a... Um, it was when I was competing as a trampolinist and uh, we were at the World Championships. So I was competing for New Zealand and we, we were set for a medal and... Um, we got to Japan, the, the competition was in Japan in the summer and we were training in these gyms that didn't have any air conditioning and I got so dehydrated and we were eating at McDonald's. We were teenagers, so we were eating at McDonald's every night and I literally got so dehydrated that my both my quad muscles completely cramped and I literally couldn't compete and I ended up crashing and kind of pulling the team down in a way. And from then on, I just went, what happened? Why did these coaches not have the skill, the level of knowledge to be able to help us and to be able to guide us as teenagers through, I was 16, through this um, so that we could reach our goal. We'd spent four years building for it. So that was, a, I think, a big factor behind all this, mm. all this uh, drive to actually pass, make sure that it doesn't happen to other people. <laughs> Yeah. Not make sure, I'm not responsible for them, but to help them so that that doesn't happen and they can reach their goals. Yeah, that's fantastic. That um, reminds me, that, like I saw Stylebender, this amazing Israel guy, Israel who's the up and coming UFC fighter from New Zealand. He came to yoga the other night and he's really just, just a phenomenal athlete. But then you see on a lot of guys like him, you see them after an event just junking out on Burger King and just massive sodas and burgers. Yeah, and, right. It's and, still happening. Yeah, and I just wondered, um, is there... Yeah, I just I just thought it was interesting how much you can maybe think you're getting away with 
it's subjective versus objective. Yes. And um, well, here's what our body's amazing at doing: is it's extremely resilient. Your, your liver can be only functioning at twenty percent, and you may not have any symptoms. So we can push and push and push, and we can function on recycled mitochondria from that next day, but we will be able to, as a youth or someone in their 20s or maybe mid-30s, push through that. But at a point in your sort of 30s onwards, that starts dropping. And and ageing, really, mitochondrial, which are the powerhouses that create your your, your energy, mitochondrial decline starts at the age of 40, but really they're seeing it happening much earlier now. Mm. So if you can't produce energy, you can't repair, you can't function at the level you want, um, and this is happening in your 30s, then these guys, although they're resilient and they're functioning at that really high genetic potential, they will start breaking down. And this is where you see these injuries that just they don't get over them. They're always sore after exercising. They're dragging to get up in the morning. They have to have a coffee or something sugary in the morning. Um, to get them going, uh, and, and they really align to themselves about how they really are functioning. Mm. The body somehow, though, has this incredible ability to allow these uh, athletes in their teens and early 20s to push hard at you know, in all aspects of their life. Yeah. I saw, it, I saw it with the ballet dancers. Our whole clock shifted five hours ahead where we didn't eat dinner until after the performance at night and then they they would hardly eat and then, they'd, you know, there'd be all sorts of, like they'd go out to a bar or there'd be cigarettes or, you know, on, on a tiny amount of food and then we'd wake up early the next morning, get on the bus, go to another town, they go to a new stage, they have to dance on, then they'd eat late, late again and it was just this lifestyle that mm. they could function at because they were young. Sister's flatmate and best one of her best friends was a Royal New Zealand ballet dancer and got pushed into a pose and I think fractured or did something really bad to her back and became a Pilates teacher. But geez, they just pushed them till they break. And I know a lot of I think it's NFL players have an average age that they die is about fifty or it's so low and they have they have so many issues from head concussions and just they're almost like tools used by business people to make money in some respects but um, uh, on kind of that advice though is there one piece of advice that's been given to you that comes to that's been really impactful in your life um, oh please oh, God. these are big questions you could have yeah. a chance to prepare yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anything comes to mind if it's not it's just Just trying to think Nick. of Paul Check in his office. Get in the gym. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Get in the gym. And um, and when do you feel most alive yourself, Susie? I know I've talked to you about unique ability and when you feel most energised. Is it in teaching and sharing knowledge? That's, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. When I'm standing up in front of people. Fantastic. And, and, and I've got my game on, yeah. <laughs> got your seven, eight hours sleep. Yeah. And the peanut butter. Um, I absolutely love that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And top three tips to living a happy, fulfilled, long life. 
you mentioned the 10 minutes in the morning, the sunshine and exercise. Are there two others? I, I, th- I really think understanding that your little mitochondria, which we have 100 quadrillion of, will they do have the ability to rebuild. They break down, they rebuild. We can rebuild them. We can actually use our sleep to make sure that we rebuild our mitochondria and that stops us from ageing as quickly. Um, So eight hours of sleep plus, that's a huge tip. Um, If you want to live long, you must sleep. The other thing I would say is if you are stressed, so are your cells and your mitochondria. If you're happy, they're happy. So it's not just about doing the physicalness, it's also about having the happiness in your thoughts and your body and your cells and living it. Um, so living your dream. <laughs> Is that three? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. And... Um, and you've met so many interesting people. I just kind of had one last question. Is there someone you'd like to meet or work with or or something you'd like to do that, you know, going to the dream aspect? Is there, is there something like, wow, that's a, um, a really aspirational goal you've got, uh, a person, place, or maybe a new technique? Is there anything that comes to mind there? I'd love to meet Tony Robbins. I'd love to work with him. Oh, fantastic. Me too. Tony. (laughs) Tony. (laughs) Two for one. Go, Tony. Um, I used to not understand about him and his amazingness until I learnt more. It's so easy for people to kind of be opinionated about him. But once I've learnt what I've learned, he's definitely someone I want to hang out with. Um, And... um, Place. I think I'd love to uh, love to spend a lot more time in Bali. <laughs> I don't really know. I've, it's funny. These last few years, I've been so caught up with being here and being with the business. So I need to get a bit more worldly. <laughs> oh, I think you've got yeah, so much great worldly wisdom. And so, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you, Susie. It's a it's a joy to go to your gym and and yeah be taught by you and your team and to hear all the latest research and what you guys do and I feel so lucky to be able to be in a position to receive some of it and to and to help share it as well so um, people can find you at Sweet 7 and Ponsonby yes. and you've got I guess there's a website um, hmm. we're on Facebook as well Facebook and Instagram as well yep yeah. And um and, and, it, and it's sweet as in the candy. That's candy. Sweet candy. Not the room number sweet. It's S W E E T and then the number seven. And there's Aldoa classes My morning and evenings stretch. as well as your um consultant physio business as well. So Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we have and we have nutrition consultations around what we call integrative nutrition. So that is more than just food, it's hormonal health. Adrenal health. Um, so yeah, we we pretty much back that up as one of the seven foundations. And Emma is my business partner, Emma Brake, and she will take you through the nutrition. 
and there's um, two other physios and another exercise instructor there. So yeah, we we're we're growing slowly. Oh, fantastic! Oh, thank you. We'll wrap it up there. Better get you some dinner, food, self and Bobby, and fish and chip Friday. Get moving. Oh yeah, exciting. I just want to say you and your motivation and your energy around this is uh, you're the one that's found us. You found us out, and I think that the, if you can just have a huge influence on New Zealand, then you're doing an amazing thing. There's not many people like you around. So um, bring it, Doug. <laughs> oh, so kind, Susie. It's amazing what... I just keep coming back to Dan Sullivan when you find more people in the unique ability doing what they love. It, it lifts you up and then it lifts them up and it's this kind of compound exponential Absolutely. effect. And that's just one of the space I want to be in is this space where everyone's learning and getting better and, um, and to be able to share this through these new mediums I think is just fantastic. So hopefully there'll be a... A, a, a huge standing room only for the next Aldoa class <laughs> we're going to get this out are we calling you in for help yeah. <laughs> oh beautiful wow what an episode that was fantastic hopefully got plenty out of it I certainly did can't wait to bring you more episodes with Susie and other amazing guests on the podcast but make sure you're getting that at least seven eight if possible, hours sleep, moving in the mornings um, to start to implement. If you can just take a couple of things out of this podcast, I think that movement and sunshine in the morning, drinking the water, getting those movement snacks during the day and making sure you get that sleep, it's just a, it's just a world change of the compound effects of that. Oh, hopefully we live into 313 like me and sprightly, feeling younger every day. <laughs> And can't wait to bring Susie back on the on the on the podcast and so many other amazing guests and and make sure you get down to her studio, try out one of the Aldoa classes, and uh, I can't recommend Susie and her team enough. Um, yeah, just truly fantastic. So think less, experience more, sleep more, love more, all that good stuff, and uh, we'll see you soon. Hope you dug it. Oh.